Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. Welcome to Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast with a new episode every single day of the season. A season which is now up and running. We may have already completed match day one of the new campaign, but a host of clubs are still yet to complete their summer transfer business. Sometimes the savviest business a club can conduct is to tie down players to a new contract. And one Liverpool star may be in line for exactly that. We'll discuss Anfield affairs on today's show, as well as looking at who Chelsea may need to offload with the deadline approaching and their squad bulging. Plus, Arsenal could say au revoir to Aubameyang in the next couple of weeks, according to reports, with Barcelona possibly saying cheerio to Coutinho in the process. I'm Niall McCorn and all of that to come on today's Football Social Daily. And joining me to do it, a very happy new season to Steve McNaughton. How are you doing, Steve? Good morning, mate. You okay? I'm uh, yeah, all good. Not too shabby at all. Thanks. I'm very good. How was your summer, by the way? Because uh, I know you've been up to a few different bits and pieces. You got three young lads in the household, in the McNaughton household. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's been busy as you can imagine. Um, you know, like I say, we've we've got two very young boys and uh, one seven-year-old, so it's been action-packed. But you know, we meant we managed to get to uh, Anfield for a couple of you know friendlies and. Um, we, uh, I managed to get myself to a festival last weekend, so you know it's all good, and uh, I'm back for the new season, raring to go. Um, I'm ready to uh, to basically annoy listeners, <laughs> <laughs> bleeding the young ones into a life in red already. I love that. Um, also alongside Steve today, it's Marley Anderson. How you doing, Marley? Mister No Days Off himself. Back again for another one. <laughs> I love that you said to me yesterday, like, you know, you're only on Friday this week. And then this morning you were like, need you on the podcast. I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> well, I was going to ask, because obviously Steve's taken his uh, his young lads to uh, to Anfield. Uh, it's probably a little way away, but um, what's the situation in your household? Does your, uh, does your partner have any saying in what football club any children may possibly support? Or is it going to be Newcastle all the way? <laughs> <laughs> hey, if, I, if I've suffered through... Three decades of my life supporting Newcastle United with no success, barely at all. 
then my kids are going to go through the exact same whenever I have them. So. <laughs> she she was a she was actually a Man United fan when growing up, um, but basically because her dad didn't have. Uh, boys i'm pretty sure he wanted boys and he ended he ended up with twin girls so he stuck them in man united shirts took them to old trafford um they sing they used to sing glory glory man united and all that stuff um and then they just faded out of it so ever since then it's been shoulder around the obi uh you know a, a shoulder around the obi appreciation household <laughs> well that's good stuff anyway we're going to focus on liverpool rather than the uh the affairs of Shola Amiobi because uh, Jordan Henderson allegedly is in line for a new long-term deal at the football club. That's according to The Athletic. Henderson is 31 years of age. He's part of the England squad. He's been an integral part of the Liverpool side in Jurgen Klopp's success over the last few seasons, Steve. Is he still vital to that team? Is he still a key part of the, the wheel when it comes to Liverpool? Yes, absolutely. What you know, unequivocally, um, is, is extremely important for Liverpool, and I think that, um, it, I mean, we've talked about it a lot on the podcast before, and it's unfortunate for Jordan because I think, you know, outside of Liverpool, he's he's pretty unfashionable, isn't he? And you know, and he's he's, he's he gets a bit of stick and stuff like that. But I mean, he's a fantastic human being for the start, and you know, he's a, he's an incredible lad, um, and does a lot outside the game. Um, to give back, um, you know. So you know, there's plenty of examples of that we can draw upon, and um, I just think from from a sporting perspective and from the the Liverpool point of view, he is integral because you know he's when Jordan Henderson is in the Liverpool team, they tick better. Um, you know, if you look at the stats on it, you know they've got a, a higher win rate when Jordan Henderson plays. Um, you know, I think he uh, he had the most tackles uh, last season in the in, in the Liverpool team. You know, across the season, and um, and Liverpool concede less goals when he put when he plays. And that's before you talk about his leadership skills. Um, I mean, there was a clip that went round a couple of months ago with I think it was when the games were being played behind closed doors. I, th- I can't remember which game it was, but. It, you know, it was him talking to the players non-stop for, for for ninety minutes and encouraging them after you know everything they do and you know pulling them up when necessary and stuff like that. You know, he, he's very very vocal on the pitch and you know and he his impact is tremendous. And I mean, I was looking at some stats as well and he was third in the uh, the, the table for you know possession one uh, as well. So he, he offers so much to the team. And uh, you know, finally on 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 the point is that. He gets Liverpool moving a bit quicker in midfield. He's asking the guys to to move it faster, quicker, um, and not kind of you know dither on the ball as much and stuff like that. So I just think it's an absolute no brainer. Um, we were all pretty concerned when the reports were coming out that that you know they, they weren't going to agree a contract a couple of weeks ago and that he could be on his way this summer or next summer potentially because no Liverpool fan wants that because. You know, when you're watching us week in, week out, you, you understand how important Jordan Henderson is in that mid- midfield. And I think I think his situation is, is very different from Jeannie Wijnaldum's. Um, you know, and I think that the fact that the, the club stood firm on Wijnaldum and, you know, we're a bit puzzled on it still. But as it, it comes out across the weeks, he, he wanted, you know, significantly more money than what he was on, um, which I know we'll come to that in a bit. But um, I just think this one's a no-brainer, you know, it's just keep him around. He'll retire at Liverpool, and even as he gets older, I mean, at the end of his contract, he's going to be thirty-four. Um, he probably won't start every week, and but he will still offer a great deal to that team. Yeah, and that's the point I wanted to pick up on, Marley, because as Steve says, you know, a long-term deal 
even though it isn't often disclosed, the length of the deal, that usually means three years or more. So as Steve says, that will take him well into his mid-30s. So with that being said, do you think this is with a view to more keeping Henderson's leadership and experience on board rather than his actual on-field ability? Because no doubt I'm sure he'll still be a good player in a few years' time, but that ability on the field is naturally going to deteriorate as he gets a little bit older. Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of players um, get to a certain stage in their career where it's about what they bring to the squad rather than what they bring to the team week in, week out. And I think Henderson's at that point. Um, not saying he's he's a bad player or or anything like that. He still you know plays a very important role, but it's more his sort of mentality and leadership, as, as Steve sort of mentioned there. I think he is more important to Liverpool than than many people see week in week out. So. Um, it's things like his, you know, it's just silly little things like training. In training, I'm assuming he's, he's probably a very, very big character, demanding, you know, that the, the, the level stays high, that, that teams keep pressing in games and, and things like that, and organising people, telling people to drop in. I think when um, when the Premier League had no crowds, there were, a lot of clubs did a, uh, like, um, a sort of sound-on type of, social media video and I think Liverpool did one once and it was it was just three minutes of Jordan Henderson telling people what to do in, in a match and it was like Robbo move on like you know go on I've got you you know go on go and attack and I'll I'll drop in for you and same with Trent on the right and you know telling him when to jockey and when to dive in and you know whether, whether he's got people behind him and it's just that it's that kind of impact that is is not really sometimes seen by a lot of uh, a lot of fans um I think Liverpool fans know how important he is. It's not about, you know, can we get twenty million for him now or lose him? It's not, it's not that kind of uh, deal. So I think at, at thirty-one, he's probably looking for his his uh, his last five years of his of his uh, playing career probably, um, or four years, and then he, I can see him probably going back to Sunderland after that, depending on what league they're in. Um, so I think it'll be one of them where they they keep him around because the one thing Liverpool want to avoid, you know. Steve mentioned that you know people are getting a kind of similar age. They want to kind of avoid a Manchester City situation where they lose key player after key player every year and have to rebuild it every year because it's not really the ideal way of doing things. Um, especially when you've got a tighter, you run a tighter ship financially than the Manchester City. So you know you you kind of want to avoid that if you can. So if you get it, if you get Henderson for four years. You know, you have to sort of build around that and you have to have his replacement long before he comes in, which Liverpool, you could argue, probably do already with with Cater and Oxlade-Chamberlain and, and uh, Curtis Jones coming through. So I think it's a good move to, to get him down for the next three or four years. And imagine how much Curtis Jones is already learning off Jordan Henderson and probably will continue to learn as his career progresses. We spoke about this yesterday, Steve. I had a chat with you yesterday um, off of the podcast about... Liverpool squad and the ages of the players and Marley kind of hinted at it there do Liverpool need to start thinking of replacements for these older players as they start to enter their 30s because it's a situation in which you don't want to get yourself into and I know the two clubs are worlds apart but we've discussed on this podcast before about Crystal Palace and how they've got the oldest squad in the Premier League and they need to do something about it and they have done they've signed younger players but do you think this is something Liverpool need to be proactive on looking at the players that are starting to age slightly and thinking about where they can get those replacements yeah absolutely you know and as, as Liverpool fans you know we in various WhatsApp groups and stuff like that you know we do talk about this a lot and that 
Um, I mean, depending on which which you know side of the spectrum you're on, you know, some people will say there's a forthcoming Armageddon with the squad, um, and other people will have faith in FSG doing the right thing and just tinkering with it over the next couple of years. So you know, we aren't in that situation where you've got three, four, five players that just suddenly you know come to that point in the career where it starts kind of dropping off a little bit. Um, you know, and I think that they will they will be looking at that and, and trying to time those moves to perfection. Um it is difficult with Liverpool, as Marley just alluded to then, because we do run a very, very tight ship financially. Um, you know, we are a club that doesn't have any debt. Um and basically, you know, we 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 buy with what we earn. Um and and that creates a bit of a problem, I think, because if you've got uh, the lads there that are getting on a little bit in the careers and the I, I suppose, I mean to put it, probably the best way I can think of it at the minute, depreciating assets. Um, you know, you you've not got these big transfer, f- you know, fees coming in for them, and it does make it a bit more of a challenge to go out and recruit when when the money isn't coming in. Um, but I just think that um the next two seasons are going to be pivotal for that because you know you. I think that that put in two seasons. I think Salah's thirty in two years. I think Mane's. 30 in one year um obviously Jota's 23 uh, Firmino's 30 um so you know that these things are coming up um you know where we need to start doing it and I think Liverpool will probably start picking away at that and they'll probably bring one or two in and uh with, with a view to doing it and I think they'll want to promote these academy lads as well I think um you know the likes of Harvey Elliott hasn't gone out on loan this season which which is a big statement really of intent from the club where his future's concerned um you know Curtis Jones will probably get a lot of games this year because we've seen a lot of potential uh, you know with that kid um you know so I think he'll be stepping up um you know I think the likes of Oxlade Chamberlain I won't be surprised if he left before the end of the window um you know and I think that um I mean we're in this situation with Naby Keita again where we've got a lot of high hopes for him but I'm not that optimistic on him because he just can't handle the rigours of the Premier League. But, you know, it's the usual line that's spun every summer. Yeah, we've had him in the gym and he's been on a special programme so he doesn't break down. And, you know, so so there is, it is, um, I think, a, a valid point when people kind of say, you know, we've got to be careful over the next couple of seasons about what's coming up. I still feel like I'm waiting to see Naby Keita do something. And it's been about three years. And I think that's because he can't stay fit. And, and talking of players who aren't going to be involved, Ben Davis has left Liverpool as well without kicking a ball. He's signed for Sheffield United, just to throw that one in there whilst we're talking about Liverpool. You mentioned Genie Wijnaldum earlier on, Steve. How do you think that Liverpool will get on without him? Because you talk about that midfield, Fabinho, Wijnaldum, Henderson, obviously Milner would come in from time to time, Curtis Jones as well. But in terms of the favoured three for Jurgen Klopp for many a year now it has been those three but Wijnaldum's now left the club so how do you think that that midfield is going to look how do you think the club are going to fare without Wijnaldum I think we'll manage um you know I think Genie um played in a new position at Liverpool um you know his his ball retention was incredible um that was a real you know skill of his and and certainly something that developed in his game over the seasons that he was at Liverpool I think in terms of the three that that will be in midfield for me it's a no-brainer I think you know it'll be Fabinho Henderson and Thiago Um, I think he'll put Thiago in a more advanced position in midfield because obviously he's he's a bit of a magician um, on his day Uh, and I think Henderson and and Fabinho will do the mopping up um, and make us pretty solid in the middle but 
you know, we do have to rotate. So I think that, um, you know, you probably think that Naby Keita will come in at times and play in that in more advanced role. Um, and I think Curtis Jones will probably do that as well. Um, Harvey Elliott, I think, will play out wide. Um, you know, for us, um, but he might stick him in that front three from time to time. Certainly, that you know the domestic competitions. Um, so we've we've got options to survive without Genie Wijnaldum. Um, I mean, would I would I prefer us to have him? Absolutely, because I really rated him, and I think the progression in his game from that season he had at Newcastle was was fantastic. But we'll manage. Um, we've just got a um, be. be you're mindful of injuries and stuff like that because we're two or three injuries away in midfield from being knackered like we were last season defensively. Well, Liverpool could be in line to offer Jordan Henderson a new deal. Jeannie Van Alden not at the club, but positive news at least coming out of Anfield this week. That comes from The Athletic, a new long-term deal, expecting it to be three years or possibly even more. But uh, it looks positive considering like what Steve said a couple of weeks ago, it looked like there might well be a disagreement Seems to have been a U-turn. Now Liverpool look like they're going to hand Henderson a new deal. That's what uh, link, being linked with a move to Arsenal can do for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Arsenal we're going to talk about next, funnily enough, here on Football Social Daily. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang could be in line for a move away from the Emirates. We'll talk about it next. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily from Sport Social. Yesterday, we went in a little bit on Arsenal and their transfer dealings. And we've also done that a couple of times on the podcast in the past. Arsenal frustrate the life out of me. And I think it comes across quite clearly when I'm in the pundit's chair on this show because Arsenal should be doing better. It's just such a conundrum and the the fans, I get frustrated and I have no affiliation to Arsenal whatsoever. So the fans must be absolutely tearing their hair out. But this is some more news which has come out overnight. Sky Sports reporting this. I personally don't see much in this story, but it's said that Barcelona could allegedly be involved in a swap deal with Arsenal for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who will go to the camp now. And Barcelona's Felipe Coutinho will come the other way to the Emirates Stadium. Very, very interesting. To me, Marley, this doesn't sound particularly realistic. I don't know what your take is. Uh, well, I, I thought that at first as well. Um, but then I started thinking about it and I think, weirdly, it suits all parties. Um, you know, Aubameyang's never really been happy, 100% happy at Arsenal. Uh, there was that, you know summer a couple of years ago wasn't it when it was oh will he sign a new deal or will he run it down into his last year of, of contract and, and leave on a free or something and then but at that, that season he'd scored like 20 odd goals as he usually did and then he ended up signing a new deal and becoming captain and stuff and it was like okay that's that's him now for the next well sort of almost like the the last years of his of his top like years sort of thing you know like he's sort of elite uh sort of time for him but since then he's just gone backwards hasn't he he still seems unhappy I think he if you drill down into his head I think he thought he thinks that it was a mistake to uh, to sign this deal at Arsenal I think he always fancied a move to one of the the big Spanish clubs um, and you know since then they've gone backwards because of their financial uh, terrible dealings and the financial state of both clubs, Barcelona and Real Madrid, and, and not one to go and pluck Aubameyang 
when he's in the middle of a contract. So something has to be done. And now you think about this, and it did sound rubbish to me at first, but they want rid of they want rid of Coutinho. Arsenal need a creator quite badly. Um, probably one that plays from the left. Um, if you if you leave Saka on the right and Smith Rowe down the middle, um, so it's starting to look a little. And obviously Aubameyang wants to leave, so you kind of kill two birds with one stone. I think the hardest thing is convincing Coutinho to to come and play um, and sign the contract. However, you know he's been bouncing around like a like a stone round Europe for the last last two or three years, hasn't he? As soon as he went to to Barcelona from Liverpool, it, it never worked out. Um, he was at Bayern, that never really worked out. You know, now he's back at, at Barcelona. It doesn't look like he's going to get a kick. They they might not even register him with all the the absolute mess that's going on there. So, for me, I, th- I think it makes a little bit more sense than than first becomes apparent. So, if it it all depends on whether um, Aubameyang takes it takes lower wages than Coutinho as well, because Barcelona obviously are horrendously in debt. Um, and ideally, they would get rid of Coutinho with no one, no one coming in. But obviously, they don't want to do that from a footballing perspective. They want to try and keep it, uh, keep themselves competitive as as much as possible. But it all depends on the money, really, as, as many things do in football. I said yesterday on the show that something's happened with Aubameyang, maybe in his personal life. I know he had a few issues last season, and really for the last couple of campaigns, he's not quite been the same player that we saw before. At Arsenal, and we don't want to speculate on what those issues might be, but the reports that I've seen have hinted that Arteta and Aubameyang, allegedly Steve, don't see eye to eye. That's never a good sign when you see those sorts of reports, but then again, we've also seen these kinds of stories come out and it'd be absolute nonsense and players still go and perform almost in spite of the manager sometimes. But I think it's clear to see that Aubameyang has dropped off in terms of a level. The reasons for that we can dispute long into the day. Do you think that it is time for Aubameyang to draw a line under his Arsenal career and maybe hunt for pastures new? Yeah, I do. I think the when it came out yesterday, I actually thought that's a move I could see happening before the end of the window. Um, I just don't think he he is happy like we like we've just said. You know, we've already said. I don't think he plays Arteta's football. I think Arteta wants Arsenal to move the ball really quickly. You know, play play that press. Um, you know that that he drilled into the Man City lads when he worked with Pep Guardiola. Um, and he's he's never going to be one a guy who puts a massive shift in like that every game he's going to pick his moments for me um you know he he, he has massively dropped off um you know that that level that he was at in in you know 2018 2019 um you know where he scored an absolute bag full of goals and got a load of assists as well you know for arsenal we just haven't seen that the flip side of it is though is that if he does go to barcelona how the hell are they going to register him um because they've got um some of these new signings like memphis depay and sergio aguero that they can't register um you know due to the i think, um, I think they've sorted that now because depay played at the oh, weekend they... so did garcia but um, oh, it must be sorted. It, then. it, it would be, be classic La Liga if they just waived it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think PK took a took a fifty percent cut, so I think that freed up like three hundred grand or something. I mean, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Anyway, that, it. But, how, know, how can a player Bas- even want to do that? Uh, it's like I think his wife. That, you know, I like? think his wife makes enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> to be uh, fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that it's one of them where. Um, 
you know, Barcelona, if they can register players and there is budget available, I think they probably will go in and pay, you know, um, Aubameyang a decent salary each week. And I think he'll, as a 32-year-old player, he will probably want to go on sample playing in the new Camp and in La Liga before he calls it a day. And I think that, um, you know, Coutinho coming in at Arsenal, um, it's probably the right Premier League club for him to go to. Um, I mean, obviously, I think he's tried and tried to get back to Liverpool over the last couple of years, hasn't he? But we've, we, you know, we've not looked at that interest seriously. Um, I think he was linked with Everton at, at one point, um, you know, which I don't think he'd go and play at Everton. Um, so Arsenal down in London and living the life in London probably suits him. But Coutinho is a massive confidence player, as we know. If his confidence is sky high, he, he's making incredible things happen on the pitch. Um, you know, like he did, you know, during his time at Liverpool. Um, is he still the, Bar- the same player though, Steve? No, he was, no, he? he's not. No, he's not. Um, I think he's had it a bit rough, and when you've had it a bit rough for a few years, because I think he's been four years at Barcelona, something like that, is it? I know he had um, the stint at uh, Bayern Munich, which wasn't a complete disaster, to be fair. You know, um, in the um, uh, you know he, he did all right for Bayern, I thought. Um, you know, in, in 2019-20, um, you know, eleven goals for them. Um, in about thirty odd games, and that's so you know, which isn't isn't a bad return. But Arsenal could be a place where he could rebuild his confidence, um, and he could be he could be the main man there. Um, you know, there's no doubt about it, and you know, and, and everything could be built around Coutinho around there, certainly for a season or two. Um, but again, he's 29 years of age as well. Um, you know, so he um, is 30 in June, uh, so it's 10 months away. So he's got plenty of time, but. I just think that it's an opportunity for him to finish his career somewhere um, because if he gets in a, in a club where he's loved and he starts winning games and he starts scoring them goals that he was scoring at Liverpool, um, the fans will love him. The vibe at Arsenal will pick up because it's it again after one game. Um, you know, it's there's a load of pressure already building up. Um, and, you know, I was talking to someone at the weekend and I said, if, if Arsenal have a, a bad first 10 games, they'll, they'll probably sack Arteta. Um, you know, but the same same issues seem to be there, and they've spent big money on players this summer, um, and it doesn't appear to um, have had a good start. So, I think it's an interesting one, but it is a move that I could see happening. Right then, let's talk about Harry Kane and Manchester City. Don't want to dwell too long on this because it's been rumbling on for absolutely weeks, and there is a little bit of an update. News outlets today have said that City will go back in with an offer to Tottenham Hotspur and Harry Kane is almost waiting on that to happen. But other newspapers say if no deal can be agreed this summer, City won't chase Kane in January, they won't chase Kane in the next summer window, they're just going to draw a line under it and say, right, that's it, we've tried and we're not going to bother. What's your take on the situation there, Marley? If you're Kane, does this feel almost like a last chance saloon for a big move? Yeah, probably, because if he doesn't move now... He's probably going to sign a new contract. Um, that would probably take him till he's at least 32. I wouldn't rule out him him moving to a, a top club at the end of that, but he's much less desirable at 32 than he is at, at 28, 29, whatever, whatever he is now. So I would I would be sort of tempted to say that, yeah, because you know he's he's left. I mean, in my opinion, you know. Taking taking sort of club things out of it, I think he's probably been too loyal to Spurs, um, which is, you know, if if loyalty isn't a big, like if that if you're not happy with not winning things for so long that you think about leaving, then he's probably timed this wrong. He probably should have done this at least at least two years ago when he was twenty six. 
Um, and because he, he was, he's, I mean, he's been proven for what six, seven years now. So I think the same amount of clubs, same type of clubs, would have came in for him two years ago. Maybe not Man City. Cause, yeah, I've, se- yeah, I've seen some people, Marley, say that he should have left after they got to the Champions League final and they lost to Liverpool. But I don't think that's particularly fair because Spurs at that time did feel like they had something good going on with the players they had. There was momentum. They had a good manager. You know, they reached a cup final. I don't blame him for staying another year. He was comfortable in the environment. And actually, the way things have worked out with timings and then the pandemic came along and no one was signing £150 million players last season. I just think that it's almost been unlucky for him in the way things have unfolded. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that as well. I think, you know, the, the circumstances of the, of the the world couldn't have been foreseen. Um, but I think everything in Spurs' recent history comes back to that night in, in the Champions League final because, as I've said a million times, they got to the final and everyone went, well, that was good, what's next? And they all moved. Like, within six months, Ericsson had gone, um, Pochettino had gone, a few players, more players left, I think, that year than came in. And that should have been the start of something for, for Spurs, but they treated it as the end of something, and now they're the ones clinging on to the, the coattails of the top five and the top six and thinking, can we get in the Europa League? And they were in the, the Champions League final two years ago. Like, this is It's a bizarre situation how, how so far back they've gone. And then they've lost, you know, Eriksen, Son and Kane. Now they've got, got rid of Eriksen. They might lose Kane, and Son's left there on his own. He's still an amazing player, don't get me wrong, but it's a lot harder than it was to, to get back to the levels you were once at. So I think everything comes back to that um, when when you talk about Spurs. Uh, they lost Trippier as well, and he's, he's an underrated sort of part of that team because they haven't had a decent right-back since. So it's, um, it's a strange one because, you know, Spurs... Spurs could have been realistically title challengers two years after the Champions League final. You don't expect a team, you know, financially well off like they are, to be where they are now. So, I think with Kane, it's uh, it's it's a tough situation. He's he's probably had things out of his control that he ideally would have liked to have uh, handled. But in terms of is it now or never, I would be tempted to lean towards yes. What about you, Steve? Just quickly, then, can you see an end to this saga this summer? in a positive fashion for Harry Kane or do you think he'll remain at Tottenham? Uh, I think he'll go. Um, I think City will, will go in with, um, I mean, I think, was it Fabrizio Romano who, who put out that they, they intend to go in with a €150 million Euro, uh, bid, which I think, well, I mean, I'm not a mathematician in terms of, you know, converting, but I'm guessing that's about £138 million quid, isn't it? Something like that. Um, you know, I just think that... Uh, um, that type of cash plus add-ons is probably something that, that they wouldn't turn down. Um, I think it's very, very clear that Harry has behind the scenes appeared to have, to have down tools um, and in an attempt to get the move going. Um, I mean, there's been so much said about this so-called gentleman's agreement between um, you know Harry Kane and, and Daniel Levy, um, which was made last summer. Um, obviously, that is not... Uh, from a legal point of view, enough to, you know, get the move going. But I just think that um, I think you know Levy won't be bullied, and I think he's got to come out of this deal with with some face and where it appears to be a win-win situation for both parties. And I think you know 138, 140 million quid plus add-ons of, 
you know, between 15 million and 18 million or whatever. I think that'll probably get the deal done and Harry will be on his way to the Etihad. Um, it just gives Spurs a, a mountain to climb in terms of recruiting another striker before the 31st of August, uh, which I think is when the transfer window closes. Um, I mean, they've probably got someone lined up, to be fair. They, they, they were linked with the lad from Fiorentina, weren't they? You know, the, the, the lad who scored quite a lot of goals from Fiorentina. Is it Vlahovic or something like that? Um, Vlahovic, something like that. Um, so I think it's it's going to be interesting, but I think City will, will go in with all guns blazing to try and get him. Um, and I think, you know, for them to spend... You know, almost two hundred and fifty million pounds on two players this summer, but two players that will probably start for them and, and have an impact in that team. It's probably really good business because they can afford to do it. And um, you know, City, um, you know, I mean, God, they've got an embarrassment of riches, haven't they? You know, it's nothing's a problem for them financially. So, if you've got the money, why not do it? Well, it's not the first, and it won't be the last time we talk about Harry Kane this summer. But as Steve says, the transfer deadline is the end of the month, the 31st of August. So we'll find out soon enough what the situation does entail when it comes to Harry Kane and his future. But next, we're going to go from North London to West London because Chelsea are on the agenda. They've got plenty of players in their squad and they need to get rid of some. We'll talk about it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Welcome back to part three of the show. I'm Niall, alongside me Steve McNaughton and Marley Anderson. We've mentioned about how Lukaku could be the game changer for Chelsea when it comes to a title challenge this season. But that being said, Chelsea have always had an issue with having a big squad. And it's been part of their strategy over the years that a lot of the players they've sent out on loan, they kind of sell for £15 million here, £10 million there. And it does keep them well in the coffers when it comes to the transfer budget. However, they've got some first team players or at least players who have been in the first team in the past that they probably want to try and think about getting rid of. One of those was mentioned on the podcast yesterday by Marley. That was Ross Barkley, but also Danny Drinkwater and Tiamue Bakayoko are on the uh, potential list of players that they want to get rid of at Stamford Bridge. Out of those three then, Steve, Danny Drinkwater, Ross Barkley, Tiamue Bakayoko, who's the pick of the bunch? Who would you fancy as having the best shot of establishing themselves at a different Premier League club? Uh, I think it'd be Ross Barkley. Um, I think Ross Barkley you know, does have the ability and, and the talent to, um, you know, to, to thrive somewhere. Uh, I think Ross Barkley is a player that needs to be starting games every single week, though. Um, you know, I think him having a bit part in a squad isn't suited to him. Um, I think he needs to feel valued and, and, and important. Um, early promise at Aston Villa, I thought, you know, when he was on loaner, I think he got a few goals, didn't he, early doors? Um, I just think that, yeah, for me, Ross Barkley, I mean, Danny Drinkwater has, I mean, it's been a, sh- a shocking decline, hasn't it, since he left Leicester City, you know, as a Premier League winner. Um I mean, there's been all kinds of issues there and I think he just got swallowed up at Chelsea and the club was too big for him. I mean, mm. he went on loan to Burnley, didn't he? And Sean Dyche didn't fancy him. Um, you know, after and that Villa period. as well, I and, think, for a, for a spell yeah. last season. And, mm. I mean, I think Danny probably needs to drop into the Championship again, um, you know, and build his confidence because I think there's a player there, but I think that... Um, I mean the the package isn't there yet. You know what I mean. That the, the kind of the shape, the condition, the mentality, um, it isn't where it needs to be at the minute. And I think that's something that that he's going to have to work on. They won't get any money for Danny Drinkwater. He'll he'll, he'll go on a free. 
Um, with Barkley, I think they will command a bit of money for Barkley. I don't think it'd be anything too excessive. Um, but I think a team that's signing, um, and I'm talking kind of like, you know, probably a mid-table Premier League team, um, would be getting good value for it if they started them every week. Um, Bakayoko's been in and out of Serie A on loan, hasn't he, for the last couple of seasons. And I think AC Milan decided not to buy him. Um, so they might have a problem shifting him, but I just expect him to probably go to Heronvane on loan or something random like that. Um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, it, it's this thing with Chelsea where, you know, it's, it's the same with Chelsea. They've just got a, a, you know, a never-ending pot of cash to play with. So, you know, to sign uh, 90 million quids worth of players and probably give them away is like a drop in the ocean to them. I mean, you know, th- th- this is a team that will probably try and sign Haaland next summer and, and give him, you know, 500, 600 grand a week, you know, um, pretty much like... Man- <laughs> Can you imagine him and Lukaku side by side? Yeah, that would just I think, you know, I think Timo Werner's not going to last at Chelsea. Is he? If he has another difficult season, he'll be he'll be gone. Um, but I just think that, you know, Chelsea will go all out for him. They'll, they'll give him a massive signing on fee and they'll, and they'll fight every team in the land who want to who want to sign him. But yeah, it's Chelsea City. It's not a problem to them. Big squad, big money. Yeah, we'll just buy again and we'll just shift them at a very kind of low price and it doesn't matter to us. You mentioned Bakayoko and him being out on loan at AC Milan and stuff like that. He was one of the additions, I think, during the Antonio Conte era at Chelsea. And Conte gets a lot of praise for the sort of manager he is and how he's a winner and he goes into clubs and wins stuff. But in terms of the signings he made at Chelsea, some of them have been really poor, to say the least. I think Davide Zappacosta, another one. Bakayoko, another one. Some of the players he brought in for decent enough money are quite quite poor. And they're probably not going to make it in the Premier League. But in terms of, of drink water dropping down to the Championship, that's something I can see. You mentioned Crystal Palace or someone like that being a good fit for... Ross Barkley yesterday on the show Marley but for someone like Bakayoko if he's being loaned to a side like AC Milan that's that's a prestigious club so will he be hoping that you know there is an avenue for him in the Premier League or do you think he's one of these players who's just happy to be playing first team football anyway uh I, I don't know I think I think with with AC Milan you know when they came in for him they were looking for is there a bargain here because you know he was worth 40 million a year ago, can we get him for uh, on loan and have a closer look at him before we pay the fee that that they sort of demand, like at least thirty? Um, and obviously, they decided no. And I think a lot of people will learn off that um, and say, well, if he's not good enough to AC Milan, then we don't want him as you know, like Napoli or whoever uh, else he's been at. Um, that sort of level of of, oppos- of of potential sort of purchaser. So I think with I think he's probably going to have to take a step down, either go back to France, maybe. I think he'll probably still have a few admirers in France, but who's got money except uh, except PSG? So, you know, can they can can he go there or something like that? Because I think the the alternative is to, to drop down into a, a sort of bottom half of the top 10 team or sort of top half of the bottom half team, if that makes sense. Um, and then, you know, sort of prove himself in England, but nobody knows how much he, he wants to do that. I don't, you know, his, his experience in England has been poor so far. He's had a year at Chelsea, didn't like it, went back, went to Italy. Um, so really, we're still talking about a player who doesn't really know England very well, so he's still got to settle in and, and find his feet sort of thing, um, which he hasn't done so far. So I think that would probably put off a few uh, a few potential suitors as well. And then you factor in the wages that he's definitely on at Chelsea, which is probably... You know, up way over eighty grand a week. Probably you're probably talking in the hundreds 
the way Chelsea were throwing money at him. You don't get many forty million pound players that aren't on at least a hundred grand a week. So it's it becomes a typical Chelsea situation where he's almost unsellable for for a, a sort of fee that you would be happy with. You've got to make a loss on him, and you've got to hope somebody takes a chance on him enough to shell out still quite a lot of money. So I think he's in a, a tough situation. Well, certainly Chelsea have a bloated squad and they need to get rid of players. Just finally on this, Steve, is that a position that a club would rather be in, needing to get rid of players, than wanting to sign them? Because it seems a far more healthy position for any club to have too many players and, and needing to trim the wage bill rather than thinking, think like scratching around trying to sign some with the deadline approaching. I think it's a problem uh, that you know your finances dictate, don't they? If you, if you have a couple of clubs that are, that are rich, it's not so much of a problem. But if you if a team that are on the um, uh, breadline and run a very tight financial ship, it is a problem having all these players on your books. Um, I mean, my club still have. I think we we're still trying to shift three before um, the end of the window, um, which is Shakiri, you know, Origi and and Nat Phillips. Um, you know, it is very, very difficult because them lads are getting paid a wage, and um, you know, a lot of the vast majority of other teams will be in, in that that place. So I don't think keeping all the players and having a bloated squad is 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 the answer. And you know, conversely, not having enough players is a massive problem as well. So it's a bit of a vicious circle, um, and it's something that a lot of, lot of clubs struggle with, which is why you see um, an abundance of academy lads, you know, being thrown in the deep end and some sinking and some swimming. But yeah, if, if you've got the finances, it's not so much of a problem uh, for me. But um, yeah, if you're struggling a little bit and on the bread line, it, it's very, very difficult and it can, and it can cripple you. Right, that's it when it comes to Chelsea. And that's it for today's Football Social Daily. Good to be back in the groove of seven days a week. If you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss another episode of the podcast again. We are a daily Premier League show. Every single day of the campaign includes the weekends too. We have a brand new podcast for you. So if you hit subscribe or follow or whatever it may be on whichever platform you listen to this program on, then you'll be notified straight away as soon as a new episode is ready. And as we say, new shows seven days a week. That's it for today's episode, though. Thank you very much, Marley. Thank you, Steve. Cheers, mate. Cheers, guys. And we'll catch you again tomorrow on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.